into the area. Janček, stab through, chance, shot, goal! Full stop! Unbelievable scenes at the end for the derby! Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club. I am Laurie Dunsire and we're back nice and early this week because, you know, they say with a sticking plaster it's best just to rip it off nice and quick, Mark Donaldson. So we're not hanging around after the debacle at the weekend. We're just getting stuck right in. It's Monday evening mm. and we're going we're gonna to face the music nice and early. We are. We're going to reflect on an absolute pumping. However, however, there will be, somehow, I've managed to find some positivity. I do not want this to be right from the start. Yes, we're going to be honest. We're going to have a go because that was unacceptable. But I do not want this podcast to end up being overreaction Monday. I am prepared to fight my corner with certain amounts of positivity without kind of deflecting from what was a torrid 90 minutes. And uh, just someone who's got first-hand experience of getting <laughs> pumped in Glasgow, and wow. that's, that's in the football sense, which is I was say. Um, Mr. Ryan McGowan to give us his expert opinion after the weekend. I was a little bit worried there when you said that and you didn't finish off the <laughs> sentence there. I thought might need to tell Steph to give this one a miss. But yes, a bit of positivity tonight. A bit of positivity for what was a shambolic performance at the weekend. I mean, we'll, we'll give it some context. I mean, you two are maybe getting a bit too, a bit too excited. Um, I, no, I you haven't heard what we've got to say yet. I mean, there's, there's, there's <laughs> got to be an element of, we can't just put the tackety boots on and, and kick away for 90 minutes. We can, do, we can do it for 85 minutes, but then there's going to be five minutes at the end to make you feel, oh yeah, it's not all bad. And if you've yes. done D. And, yeah, so I think there's got to be, a, we've got to be measured today and it can't all be stick the boot in and it can't all no. be positive because that we'll wasn't stick, good enough. We'll stick the boot in and then we'll take it out for a little bit. And then yeah. give it give it a bit of context as well. So yeah, Oof. let's get going. Okay, so Rangers against Heart of Midlothian on Sunday at four o'clock. Uh, before we get to the game, Mark, uh, everything went our way this weekend, really, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Before we played, Hibs <laughs> <laughs> losing at home. Uh, um, even the game before Celtic looked really good uh, Motherwell were just shell-shocked and you kind of thought, you know what, even a point and I, I think it was you that mentioned you don't like calling it a free hit and I, I, I get that, I mean it, it was a chance um, but everything we said at the end of the podcast last week the three of us, about what we hoped our team would do to begin the game at Ibrox they didn't really do any of it, did they? No, um, Ian McLeod actually quoted us uh, just earlier this evening, um, he tweeted, quoted Ryan McGowan, who said, get right at them from the first minute at Ibrox. I'll have a word with Robbie. And Donaldson 
said proaction, not reaction. And Ian McLeod says, what happened, lads? Um, well, I mean, you have to ask Robbie Nielsen and the players, really, but we will we will have a look at what happened ourselves. Looking at the team, two changes from Easter Road, the side that drew nil-nil, Alex Cochran and Aaron McInef in, and Andy Halliday and Ellis Sims out of the team. Uh, Ryan, were you surprised or you, or you kind of feel it was expected that Robbie Nielsen would stick to roughly the kind of same sort of system, 3-4-3, three, three, same back three and goalkeeper that started at Easter Road? I was surprised and a little bit disappointed that Sims didn't start up front. I just feel that he gives us something that we don't have. And especially, he just has that, I don't want to call it X factor, but he he wins throw-ins, he wins a foul. His yeah. hold-up play has been really good. He's he's quite quick in behind. And that's he's sometimes ball, what you when you're yeah. when you're on the back foot. Yeah, and, and especially in the first half. Of, when he came on at half-time, it was such a difference in terms of when the ball did go up, he was laying it off and could get some territory or he'd win a throw-in and, and just allow that sort of breathing space. And yeah, on reflection, possibly should have started. Um, but yeah, that was probably my only disappointment when I seen the teams was that um, he wasn't starting up front, which I thought, you know, you could cause the, the back four of Rangers a few problems. Rangers had Alfredo Morelos back from international duty and he... Uh, loves playing against Hearts. He'd scored seven in his last seven games against the men in Maroon. And by the end of the night, that would be nine in eight. Uh, Mark, you know, we spoke about starting on the front foot, being positive, getting at Rangers, and obviously the quotes that Ian McLeod highlighted from both of you from last time. All three of us were kind of in agreement that that was what we wanted to see. It's not what we saw, though. Um, no. Very similar to what we've seen from Hearts. Ibrox early in the season last time the sides met in Glasgow at Celtic Park Rangers dominated right from the off got right at us and they were getting in behind um, time and time again and to be honest when they opened the scoring in the 11th minute it had kind of been coming yeah it had been uh, I was slightly frustrated by the way that, that that we played I was chatting away to a couple of people at, at half time over, uh, over WhatsApp I felt we tried to beat Rangers at their own game, which, which isn't going to work at Ibrox. I think we, we tried... To, I didn't think we were direct enough. I would have loved, loved to have seen their fullbacks turned um, and pushed back. I mean, there were times... I mean, Calvin Bassey against... The, when um, when Barry Mackay was over that side, that, that that should be a matchup that we thoroughly relish. We never got the opportunity to get them one-on-one because our ball retention was, was poor. And I agree with Ryan about the, the, the team selection as well. Look, as, as we've said many times here, we don't see the players training. We don't know if, if Ellis Sims, having played and had a tough shift in, in midweek, um, felt like, you know what, I can come on and do a job. I, d- I don't know. But I just think when you, when you have Boyce and Sims up there, it's a kind of, this is, we mean business here. This is what we plan to do. And, and we've got two strikers on, albeit one will play off the other. But at the start of the game, you're right. When they scored, it had been coming uh, because we, we were too timid. And for all the chat about last week and, and put a calling card in nice and early, let them know that, that we're here, it was the same story at Ibrox or Celtic Park. We didn't lay a glove on them until the start of the second half where I thought we were better, but I know we'll get to that shortly. Yeah, I mean, Joe Aribo 
it went wide, could have made it two. Ryan Kent really should have made it 2-0, albeit Alfredo Morelos looked offside in the build-up. Um, Morelos forced a save from Gordon, unorthodox, but kept it out after a Toby Civic error. And, I mean, the first half especially, and, well, we'll get to the final 30 minutes or so, Hearts just looked a yard off the pace, didn't they, Ryan? It just looked like Rangers were quicker, faster, hungrier, more alert. And, you know, you know Benny Beningame, I think, is one of the prime examples here, someone who has been brilliant for Hearts on the whole, but just time and time again wanted to spend too long on the ball, was getting closed down quickly. Just it, We just looked miles off it. Yeah, exactly. I thought the way we started the second half in the first fifteen minutes of the second half should have been how we started the game, because at the start of the second half, just before they scored their second, their crowd was on them. They were nervous. They were making a few mistakes. Hearts were getting second balls. If we had done that in the first fifteen minutes, imagine the crowd reaction to that after the performance they had midweek. We would have been able to be on top. We would have had to see the Rangers players going into their shells. It was just. It was frustrating, but at the same point, at that time of the game, I was thinking, all right, now we've got a bit of a chance. It is only 1-0. If we get the next goal, you can go on and win the game. But it just just didn't seem to fall for us, and um, all the chances fell to the, the wrong people. Yeah, I mean, I think that's spot on right at the start of the, the second half. You know, Atkinson had that kind of half chance that he fired across the goal, but the big opportunity for Hearts, and this is where it can be fine margins in these games, especially against... Rangers are against Celtic. Uh, Kingsley plays a ball over the top. Calvin Bassey gets himself into a right mess, tries to nod it back to Alan McGregor, sends Cammy Devlin in. And for all we can see, he's not a finisher. He does like to make this little run in behind the defence and sometimes pick up errors or pick up a bit of space in between defenders. Lobs Alan McGregor. And for a moment when the ball's dropping out the sky, I'm pretty certain it's going to drop into the net, but it's a good half a yard at least wide of the right post and it's interesting Mark I looked and we'll get into the catastrophic last half hour in a moment but in terms of the overall match stats between this what would be a 5-0 defeat and the 1-1 draw that we got it um Ibrox last visit there early in the season very similar stats you know Rangers with slightly more possession they got 22 shots um and 11 on target this match in the game that drew 1-1, they got 27 shots and 10 on target. And in this game, Hearts had nine attempts and three on target. And this time, uh, last time around, it was five shots with four on target. Um, I know stats don't tell the whole story, but these things can be very crucial when you're at a place like Ibrox. And that was the big moment for Hearts, I think, wasn't it? I think it's a mentality issue. Ryan has spoken many occasions about going to Glasgow and how some players enjoy it and and others it's it's not for them you need 11 um that, that are going to be that are going to go and and believe that that they can win as far as the stats are concerned look the eye test is the obvious one and there were times at the start of the second half and it, it's weird why why do we have to be reactive all the time why do we have to wait for something not to go our way before the players have a little bit of freedom it's like they it's like the, the reset button was pushed at half time and, and once again we start a second half well and that chance reminded me of Liam Boyce against Alan McGregor at Tynecastle. And I'm not saying it's an easy ch- uh, chance. I think Boyce's was, was easier than than my, um, than Cammy Devlin. But you, you should be doing better than that. And, and who knows? We don't know. We never found out what kind of 
reaction the players were going to get from their own supporters if they turned against them. We made it easy for them. But it was more the capitulation. After we mm -hmm. conceded um, the second goal after 64 minutes, it was shooting in. Then 72, then 75, then 84. We went to pieces. That's more of a concern for me. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, when the Livingston game, we lost 5-0. It took a while before Livy got their first goal, but but then it was just like floodgates. Yeah. That and there was there was part of that. It was like it wasn't a shoot on sight, but we were all over the place, the subs and, yeah. and everything else. It was just a mess. It was. And I mean, the second goal, there's a little of a a little bit of a lucky break from Morelos with the way the ball comes back to him, but it's a lovely finish on his left foot past Craig Gordon. And then, yeah, you're quite right. The floodgates open, 3-0, um, positioning just hopeless for Hearts at this time. Taylor Moore and Toby Civic are in line, but they're about 30 yards apart. Kingsley and Cochran are both caught out in the sideline, and Rangers just walk through, basically. It's Glenn Kamara off the bench, who could almost walk it into the net before rolling it past Gordon, then Arfield runs into the box, no one tracks him, Gordon saves it and it comes back to Arfield, still no one near him and he, he, he slams it in and Craig Gordon is absolutely fuming with the players around him and quite rightly so and then Mr. Rub, salt into the wounds, I mean Ryan Kent for the fifth goal picks up in his own half on the right hand side, a 1-2 Morelos and suddenly he's got the entire right flank to run down and you can see you know it's going to be a goal pretty much as soon as he runs into the Hearts half because Two Rangers players are already ahead of the Hearts back line. And Ryan Kent's obviously almost in line with them. So he just has to roll it across and Fashan Sakala even has time to take a touch before he just pokes the ball into the bottom corner and just ends a, a miserable, miserable second half in the end for Hearts. But, I mean, one of the big things, Ryan, I suppose, between that 1-1 game and this game is two of those back three. It was John Souter and Craig Halkett who played in the back three alongside Stephen Kingsley in that game. But in this game, it was Taylor Moore, who I thought really struggled, and Toby Civic, who was great in the end at Easter Road, but he had a, an awful afternoon, in all honesty. And I, I think it showed, and it's obviously hard to criticise the likes of Toby Civic yet because he's a midfielder, he's just signed, he's playing at centre-back. But it's, it definitely showed with that back three that haven't played together much or haven't played in that position much, compared to the solidity of of like Suter and Halkett in there in terms of when you come under pressure, because that's when you need your back three to be as strong as possible when you're at Ibrox, you're at Celtic Park, and you're going to be on the back foot. Exactly, exactly. And it, it also goes to show you, you know, sometimes the grass isn't always greener in terms of, you know, people have that or have had their doubts about Halkett. I, I would be confident in saying if he was playing on Saturday, we wouldn't have lost five. In terms of him being around the block, in terms of he, how long he's been at Hearts, his organisation skills, you know, he might not be the greatest, the most technical player there is, but he's a very good leader and a very good organiser. And that's what Hearts were severely lacking in that last 30 minutes, which is someone to say, boys, stay in our back four, two midfielders, uh, two sitting midfielders, stay in front, like you said, track your runners, and let's just hold fucking course for five, 10 minutes and Let's try and not let him score because it looked like you've missed out the Morelos chance when he went through from basically the halfway line. Um, remember, and he yeah, shouldered yeah, more. Yep. It's a great save. There was a few other chances. They were creating good goal-scoring opportunities almost every time they attacked. Um, and if it wasn't for Craigie Gordon, again, it would have probably been seven or eight now. That last half hour. Now, I know Robbie Nielsen's come under 
fire. He's received criticism, especially in these games in Glasgow, and I think a lot of a lot of it is justified. That last half hour, though, when you're watching that, I mean, how much of that is the manager? How much of that is players? Because at times you're just watching. I mean, and I just had no idea what certain players were doing. There were there was seemed to be no positioning, um, and Rangers were, as you say, were pretty much walking through us, and it wasn't a case of they were being too defensive. It was just there was just nothing. They were just they were nowhere. I mean, how much is that attributed to what the manager's doing? And how much is that just the players completely just caving in? I think it's the players. What, what can the manager do? Shout, scream a little bit, make a few subs. Yeah, like some of the substitutions were a little bit odd. But at the same time, the, the, there's no... Robbie couldn't track, his, track Arfield from midfield. You know, he couldn't position Cochrane to not let Kent do a simple one-two and, and run through on goals. The, the, there's so many basic errors that happened leading up to all those goals that I, d- I don't think Robbie can be blamed. And but, I'm but sure what, that what, was the setup right, Ryan? Because those three played together and got a clean sheet against Hibs rather fortuitously because Subic cleaned off the line. Subic played there for the first time in the middle of, of defence in, in, in a three for the first time at Easter Road. He was shaky. Taylor Moore wasn't good. Stephen Kingsley a little bit better, but not ideal. Are we too predictable? Could that have been a four with a little bit more protection? Because I didn't think Beningamy and Cami Devlin had good games. Could we have played four at the back with, with three holders in there and maybe two strikers with, with one? It's easy now, isn't it, to, to kind of second guess? I mean, what, what I always do when, when the Hearts um, Twitter account put, puts the team out, I, I shouldn't because it just annoys me, but I just, it's, you, you know what it's like. You, it's like a car crash. You can't help but look. It's the same comments from the same people. That, yeah, when's the real team being named and everything like that? And then you don't hear from them again if Hearts win or, or whatever. It, it, the difficult, this is when you play devil's advocate with yourself because you kept a clean sheet at East Road, regardless of whether Civic clears off the line or, or whatever. And to be fair, you were, or they were fortunate to, I think, get a point. So why would you change it? That that's the kind of devil's advocate about that. So it's it's a tough one. It's a tough one with regards to the team. It's just too many players didn't play well. Were they spooked by the occasion? I don't know. But that wasn't good enough for many of them. But the other thing is, you need to look at who were, like this was set being disrespectful here. We're playing Hibs, who just got beat off Saint Mirren at home. Like, I know it was a derby, but Hibs aren't a good team at the moment. So keeping a clean sheet should have been stock standard for a team that's sitting 10 points clear at third, mm-hmm. albeit a derby. It's a totally different situation going to Ibrox, home of the champions, who are off a bad defeat and have Morelos and Kent, who they signed for God knows how much million. You know, that should have been taken into account. And if... Robbie had to make changes. You go speak to those boys and say, listen, great effort on Wednesday night against Hibs. Thought you did outstanding, but tomorrow's a totally different kettle of fish. We're going with a four or we're going with you going to right back or a different formation because, yeah, that they looked shaky or in, uh, at times they looked shaky at, at Easter Road and that was just highlighted tenfold at Ibrox on uh, Sunday. One thing for you, Mark, and, this, and I should say... I, just to clarify before I go into this, I think Joe Savage has been brilliant for Hearts. I think Robbie Nielsen is doing 
an excellent job just now on the whole. One thing I always find slightly amusing, so when we... There's a lot of talk sometimes when hearts are doing well and it's the credits Joe Savage because he's given Robbie Nielsen these players. <laughs> I know what's coming. Well, sometimes in hearts wins, the argument from certain people is sometimes that, well, you know, Joe Savage got Benny Beningame and Cammy Devlin and he signed these players. Um, so Robbie Nielsen's getting handed these great players. But when these players play terribly, it seems to be Robbie Nielsen's fault. So, I mean, yeah. at the weekend, and I don't, I don't like singling players out because some of these players have got enough credit in the bank, but... Benny Beningame was, was very, very poor on Sunday, a mile off it in the middle of the park. I thought Nathaniel Atkinson, it's very early for him, but I thought he was really poor on the right. I thought Taylor Moore got just bullied at times by Morelos. Ryan highlighted the time when Morelos went through and just just basically brushed him aside and Moore tumbled to the ground. Toby Civic had an awful game as well. And I said, there's, there's context to that. He's a new signing. He's not normally centre-back. I just find it funny sometimes, and I, I wouldn't jump. I wouldn't jump to overly criticise either Savage or Nielsen at that point. I think there's questions that have to be asked about that performance. But I just find it funny. It's the way that people angle it that if the players are playing well, it's nothing to do with the manager. It's the person who found the players. If those players are playing terribly, it's to do with the manager. I think that's and a really not, good point. Not everyone, not I'm not not everyone does this, but I've seen a few comments sometimes no? where it's a lot of leaning towards Savage, rightly so, when players are playing well. But it seems to all be on Robbie Nielsen when they play badly. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm glad you've brought that up, and and it's true. Um, fall guy, whatever, whatever, and look, he's big enough and daft enough and ugly enough to 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 take that on the chin. That's what that's what managers do. Um, I want to I want to take you down a couple of uh, a couple of different roads to get your your thoughts. So that game at the weekend, I thought we started the, the second half um, pretty well. Okay, mm-hmm. so until we conceded the second goal in the sixty fourth minute, we had chances. I thought we were a lot better. We had chances. Now, as Ryan rightly said, there's only so much Robbie can do, right? And we've gone through what we think he's done right and what he's done wrong, team selection or, or whatever. But in the second half, those players did something. They reacted to the manager or whatever, but they were much better. Right? You could argue they couldn't have been much worse, but they were they were a lot better. And they had the chances. If we go at 1-1, their crowd turned. We could easily have won that game. Now, we didn't. We ended up losing five, right? And, and we can discuss the capitulation or whatever. But once they scored their second in 64, it was pretty much game over. And then they got their third and, and it, it ran away from us. But until they got their second, we were in that game. We were much better. And we had chances. Now, I don't think there was much difference between the first game of the season that we played them at Ibrox on the 16th of October when Lundstrom scored that goal and what happened this weekend. Because we didn't concede a second goal. We could easily have been two or three down in that game. And you look at the lineup, it was Devlin and Beningamy in the middle. Now, the defence, that was key. Suter and Halkett, you take both of them out. One's fine to play, but you take both of them out of the team and we're going to struggle because we, we we can't. And I'm actually glad that Suter hasn't gone to Rangers and we'll have him for the rest of the season because if we've not got Halkett for another six weeks, that could easily be two months. And we didn't have Suter if he'd been sold and hopefully John's back this midweek. I would really concern myself, even if it's Dundee or the Cup. I think we need at least one of them playing. So Suter and Halkett played in that game in front of Gordon. Kingsley 
also in defence. Michael Smith played on the right-hand side. Cochrane was on the left. So the, the guys that were in that team for the one-all draw, Craig Gordon, Stephen Kingsley, Benny Beningamy, Cammy Devlin, Alex Cochrane, Liam Boyce and Barry Mackay. The ones that weren't on Saturday or Sunday, Woodburn, Smith, Souter and Halkett. So I don't think there was that much of a difference between the October game and the start of the second half. We just conceded the second goal and then the capitulation. That was my problem. Because apart from that, if we'd got the equaliser, who knows, we might have gone on to lose the game. But at least we had something. So I think we've... we've this is why I wanted to talk about overreaction Monday and why we've got to be careful that we don't get too carried away. And, and here's... As, as, you, as they kind of say in, in, in school, show me your evidence. Show me your working. Aberdeen, first defeat of the season. We bounced back. We beat Dundee United 5-2 the next week. Motherwell, second defeat of the season. We bounced back. We beat St Mirren 2-0. Celtic in the league. These are all premiership. We bounced back from our third defeat of the season and we won at Livingston. Rangers at home, fourth defeat in the league. 2-0. We bounce back and we win at Dundee. Celtic in the league, 2-1 at Tynecastle. We bounce back and we beat Motherwell. Five defeats followed by five wins. That suggests to me that we shouldn't worry too much. This might be a totally different podcast if it's recorded on Thursday or Friday, depending on the result against Dundee. But I think there's enough evidence from five league defeats this season where every single time we have bounced back with a win to show that the character of this football club, of these players, of the coaching staff, and of head coach Robbie Nielsen, cannot be questioned based on the evidence so far of the five defeats followed by five wins. That will mean nothing, however, if we don't beat Dundee on Wednesday. In terms of showing your workings, I was, I was doing a little bit of my workings, um, doing some workings of my own before this. And it's funny... I was as disappointed as anyone on Sunday, and I think I used the I think I used the term shit show on Twitter afterwards about the final thirty minutes. So, big questions to be asked. Um, fans right to be annoyed, you know. Hearts, regardless of Rangers and Celtics, um, obviously greater resources. Hearts fans should never be content with getting hammered in that way. Not. But what I and I said I was having this conversation with someone afterwards. And I was saying, the thing I don't get is, again, where's the benchmark in here? What are we comparing this to? Because that's the way of it. And I don't, I, and I don't think we should necessarily necessarily accept that and say, oh, that means that we should just always accept that we'll we'll generally lose and we'll sometimes get pumped. No, but it can't immediately jump and say that isn't good enough for Hearts, as in that's that's any different than before. And in terms of being away in Glasgow, so away to Rangers and Celtic throughout throughout our history, so this is throughout the times where Hearts were the greatest team in the land and won the league, through the, the terrible times, obviously, when they were when they were relegated and they were a poor team, they've got a 67% loss rate away to Rangers and Celtic. Robbie Nielsen has a 67% loss rate away to Rangers and Celtic over his two spells. So that's not especially good. It's no different, though, from what Hearts have have been and in fact I, I had a little look at our recent managers 
Um, Daniel Seddle, 100% loss rate, lost 5-0 at Celtic Park. Craig Levine, second as well, 100% loss rate, lost 5-0 at Celtic Park. Ian Cather, 100% loss rate, lost 4-0 at Celtic Park. Gary Locke, probably unfair, but 100% loss rate. John McGlynn, 100% loss rate. Paolo Sergio, 67% loss rate in Glasgow, lost 5-0 at Celtic Park. Jim Jeffries, 86% loss rate in that second spell, lost 4-0 at Ibrox. Lost 4 0 at Celtic Park. So that's going back, what, 10, 12 years. Not to say that we should just accept it because that's the way it's been. But when fans jump to say he's got to go because of that, that's unacceptable. That's a job losing type of result. Almost no. every manager has that type of record and has those yeah. types of results. Mm. So I think there has to be some context there, I think. And Ryan, you've, I know, I'm highlighting it again, but I know that you've, you've both been in a winning team away to, to a team in Glasgow for Hearts and you've been on the end of at least one rather large scoreline against you. And it, yeah. That was a week before the cup final. We were just chilling. Oh, I was meaning the Rangers one, but yeah. I know, I know that one was a... Uh, none of you wanted to get injured, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it, Gary, you know, we've got Paolo Sergio, who, to be fair, he won one of his three trips um, to Glasgow against Rangers, a game that you came on just to see out the victory. But did lose five at Celtic Park, and you know Jim Jeffries in that second spell had a very good time at Hearts. I've, I've only gone second spell for the sake of this. I've not gone all the way back. Eighty-six percent loss rate away to Rangers and Celtic in that second spell, though, and two four-nil defeats. It's not. It's not sometimes as simple, I think, as, as maybe people look at it from a Hearts perspective. But I, I sometimes just think the frustration and football frustration and everything is. We as a, a Hearts as a club want to get closer to the Celtic and Rangers. We want to, our end goal is obviously to win the league and to be a dominant force in Scotland. And to mm -hmm. do that, we need to start getting results in Glasgow. And I think that mm -hmm. is sometimes the frustration of, right, okay, we, like we say, third biggest club, we have everything going for us, but to make that next step up into, it could be, this uh, Europa League thing next season, you know, with a bit of money, with a bit of uh, a bit more glamour, a bit more better, we can get better players in that yeah. could get a, that step closer. But I think a lot of frustrations, especially with my mates, is that if we're wanting to get closer to them, we have to find a way to be better when once we go through there. I agree. I know, and I totally agree. And I'm I'm kind of I'm not playing devil's advocate, but I'm trying to just show a bit of balance mm. there in terms of. I think we need to look forward and try and improve that. But there seems to sometimes be this reaction, especially recently, that makes it seem like this hasn't been the way of it. And, you know, mm. Jim Jeffries and Paolo Sergio are both rightly very well thought of. I mean, Jim Jeffries definitely has legendary status, and many people would say the same about Paolo Sergio, but no different, and to be honest, worse in recent history than, than Robbie Nielsen, these type of games. So that's, I guess that's my beef with it is, I'm annoyed and frustrated. We need to do better. We need to look at how we improve that. But sometimes I feel like there is an overreaction. And I think, Mark, you were talking about that, yes, we need to improve upon it, but this has been the way of it for a long time. Yeah, it doesn't make it right, though. It doesn't no, make it right. And I know. I, I know. And, and I know what you're saying. And, and we love a devil's advocate on here. I, I get the anger. I get the frustration. It's hard when you immerse yourself in a football club like we all do to, to try and find a, a bigger picture, um, that's 
up to us and, and for others. Some people might not want to listen to it. They've made their, their mind up. There's nothing we can do about that. Um, but putting context into a situation, I think, is, is important. Now, we didn't have this conversation after we drew one all at Ibrox back in October, understandably so. How close were we to having something similar? Well, I thought I, I, I stayed with the coverage because I wanted to hear Robbie Nielsen's post-game thoughts yesterday. And, and he said they did all right in the first half. Well, what's all right? I didn't think it was all right, but but that's him. And he said, look, if we've got the equaliser, then anything could have happened. And obviously that we didn't. So th this is this is easy to there's, there's so many outlets now for people to voice, view, and share opinions. You're always going to get the frustration, you're always going to get the anger. It's always been there, to be perfectly honest. But now there are more platforms to share it with, whether it's online, whether it's via podcasts or whatever, right? That's why I don't want this to be an overreaction Monday. Yes, we should be doing better, but you know what? If a 5-0 defeat against Rangers and four draws against Hibs this season, and we managed to beat Celtic and came close to getting a point, and we finished third, maybe double digits clear of everyone else because they seem to be slitting each other's throat down below us, we've got to remember where we came from. We deservedly were in the championship because we weren't good enough. So we went down, whether we were relegated, demoted, whatever, right? I don't think we were fairly relegated, but we clearly weren't good enough when that decision was made. Where we are now compared to where we were, and we there were times in the championship we were not playing some good stuff. We A lot of those games, the Dundee game, we keep going back to that. The first game of the season was probably the high point. There was a win at Wraith Rovers, but we did enough to get up. So compare last season and these games that we struggled, we we got three points to, to where we are now. I think the improvement shown has been exceptional and there will be bumps in the roads. And we can look back and go, you know what, that was a shocker at Ibrox. Not so much the fact that we were heavily beaten, how we capitulated and we then went from two to three to four to five really quickly. It's how they learn from that. And I've given my evidence about them bouncing back from that. And I've also said, look, it could be a different podcast if we record it on Monday. It's all well in the garden if we beat Dundee and then beat Livingston in the, 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 the Cup. No, but it shows that we have learned from that and, and from those defeats. Now, just briefly, I want to go back to heavy defeats that, that we have had by five goals over the past 20 years, right? Starting off with Motherwell away, we lost 6-1. We bounced back against Dundee United next time out. There's been a lot of 5-0s in, in Glasgow. Um, Celtic 5-0 in 03 bounced back against Partick Thistle. Now, th this isn't a kind of what we've always done because there have been times we've gone back-to-back -back defeats on the end of that. But again, a Celtic 5-0 in 2007, we bounced back with, with victory at Motherwell. We, we lost 5-0 in 2012. Ryan was talking about that. They were on their holidays. They were preparing... Um, for the uh, for the cup final, and and, and we won five one next time out. Another five nil in twenty eighteen was followed by a, a two nil defeat against St Mirren next time out after an international break. But the last time, the Livingston five nil was followed by a defeat at Pitodri. So there are plenty to kind of to speak about. But the last time we got beat five nil in Glasgow, February twenty twenty, we went to Easter Road and we won three one. So. 
Let's just play the long game here. Not the call for people's heads. That's a nonsense, right? You, it's not undone all the good work. It's frustrated people. It's put a dent in that. It's got Robbie not back to square one among a lot of the fans who are not his kind of biggest supporters and biggest fans, but he'll know that. And he'll know if he can get his team playing the way that he knows they're capable again, then that'll give him some good grace again. You follow that with a defeat against Dundee and then out the cup, next week's podcast will be vicious. Yeah, I think the the big thing for me, which I always find distracts a little bit from these games, is I'm all for dissecting and you know criticising after a game like that because they deserve it, because it was really poor, it was disappointing. You know, the fans that not just had, had to go, had to pay and go there to watch, but even to watch it at home, that's not what you want to put your supporters through but it's this reactionary thing against the longer term against the management as soon as something like that happens and I think that makes me feel like let's calm it down guys we can sit and we can criticize the game without going to that point and it's funny um I was just looking at Twitter just um a few moments ago and one a tweet popped up and it's from someone called Robbie but it's not Robbie Nielsen but it, it it kind of sums it up quite well. I thought he says third in the league, coasting towards a European spot, player and staff recruitment massively improved, financially stable, improved away form, Scottish Cup still to play for. A few shite results. We need to massively improve in Glasgow and in the big games, but we're on the right track. Results like yesterday are embarrassing and need addressed. Easy to be reactionary, but it also won't derail or have a massive bearing on our season. Also seen a few tweets saying we shouldn't be happy with just third. We've barely finished in the top three throughout my lifetime. You need to have success in Europe and consistently finish third to even think about making a dent in the old firm. If, and it's only a very small chance, we can finish third for two or three seasons and see some form of success in Europe, we will be able to attract, uh, afford and attract the type of players to challenge them. Right now, it's a long way off, but that should be the ambition. Easier said than done. And I thought that was... I thought that's a good message. Up. And it's it's funny because one of the first replies to it was someone going, yeah, but under Robbie Nielsen, we <laughs> yeah, won't yeah. do this or that. <laughs> but but, do, you, do you know what? <laughs> it's, the, it's the Vicky Pollard syndrome, isn't it? You know who Vicky Pollard is from, from Little Britain. Every sentence starts, yeah, but. It's the whole, yeah, but. You positivity, can he have that? Calm down, son. That, yeah, but. This happened, that happened. You've got you've to accept that there are people out there. And this is... The, this is the game that we have to react to. There's so many things you can do with statistics, right? We, we kept a clean sheet for three minutes at Ibrox, and that's the three minutes required to get to seven hours. Obviously, I think we conceded after 11 minutes or something like that. We hadn't conceded away from home for seven hours, right? This ain't no cheerleading podcast. We're not frightened of having a go when a team loses 5 now, because deservedly so. So you can easily look at that and you go, oh, well, they've only won one of their last four. Or you can look at it and try and find some positives. The point I was making earlier, this is a side that has come up from the championship. So much rebuilding has been required. I think we're doing all right. There's going to be bumps in the road. But you know what? I think we're doing okay. And it's the fact that, and I mentioned it, I think, last time as well, or, or two episodes ago, in almost 30 years, Hearts have managed the combination of a top three finish and a semi-final um, only three times. Mm -hmm. yep. And one of those was 05-06, where I think you can almost kind of take that out of the equation because the finances that we had at that point, uh, well, maybe we didn't have them, but the finances that we were putting behind the football team were completely unrealistic compared to now. So 97-98 and 02-03. And in 02-03, 
we got beat 6-1 by Motherwell in one of those games that you highlighted. Yep. Um, so this idea that Hearts should be at least top three and challenging for silverware, I like that. I think that is what I want us to aim for. But at the same time, we're going to have to be patient, aren't we, Ryan? Because we don't really have anything on paper in recent history to suggest that that's a quick fix. That's something that Hearts should just assume we are doing. No, exactly. And let's just... Like we said, it, it was not the result we're looking for, but hopefully it is a little bit of a reminder to the players that, yeah, you're having a good season, but if you don't keep those standards that you've set throughout the season, that types of days like Sunday can happen very often and against good teams. So um, I hope that was kind of the message Robbie was giving the boys afterwards was that, yes, it's not acceptable and, you know, yes, you can have a bad day and a lot of them did do that, but you know, history suggests that they should bounce back on Wednesday night and, and then let's fuel that to, to the run into the end of the season because it is so vitally important that they get third position and it's also vitally important that they do really well in the cup competitions. You know what else is vitally important, Ryan? Everybody batting the same way, Every, everyone behind yeah. the team. And it might be the case of the fans frustrated by the result at Ibrox kind of, don't get behind the team as much to begin with against Dundee. I hope that's not the case. This is the time to really get behind them. Yeah. Rangers got absolutely smashed at Celtic Park. Celtic took their foot off the pedal in the second half. It could easily be any more than that. The Rangers fans pre-game knew that was a big game for Hearts, uh, for, for, the, for their club. And, and they were right behind their side from the start. You can't just change your manager every time there's a bad result. You can't just change your husband or your wife every time you have an argument. You have to be a little bit patient. And in the end, it might not work out. That's what the divorce courts are for. That's what managers get the sack for. But come on, let's have a little bit of patience here and get behind the sides. Because as Ryan said, on Wednesday, this is a big game for Hearts against a side they should be beating. Beating comfortably, but I take a 1-0 right now. It's a big week for Hearts. And if they don't have what helps make their heart beat at Tynecastle, the fans behind them, it could be a long couple of days. Just a little bit of patience. It wasn't a good result. We get that. But they've had five defeats prior to that, and they've won every single time in their next game. So come on, get right behind the team, and let's make some noise. Come on, boys. Come on. Let's get going. Let's get Wednesday out of the way. Come on. Fired up now after that, Mark. Right. Heart of Midlothian against Dundee. A chance for Hearts to <clears throat> right the wrongs of Sunday afternoon. Or at least some of them. At least bounce back. Um, against the Dundee side, who are, and someone will probably play this back to me when we manage to mess this up, absolutely pish. So, oh, also unbeaten at Timecastle this season. Oh, Just in case anyone's... Hey, I'm not going to be fucking you fucking Kumbaya. Oh, come on. I've been Kumbaya since the start. I'm just playing it out. They so, will not be unbeaten after full time. So Dundee, a Dundee great. side uh, who are without a win in nine league games. They've Wrong. So hard lost, and benevolent fun. Come here if you want seven <laughs> and drawn two of those. The two draws being nil-nil. And um, in terms of away from home, I think that's now six games 
without a victory on the road in the league for Dundee. Hearts have been very good at home. Only Celtic and Rangers have managed to emerge victorious at Tynecastle this season. Ryan, is this the fixture you want after a result like Sunday's? You're at home to currently the worst team in the league. On paper, yes. (laughs) (laughs) On paper, yes, but very similar to the Rangers situation will be the mindset of Dundee in terms of they will be coming to Tynecastle thinking if they can win the first 20 minutes then it's going to be a real difficult afternoon for Hearts because whether we like it or not, Hearts fans will be expecting Hearts to win 5-0 to put on a big performance, like you said, against the worst team currently in the in the Premiership. So it's all going to be about the mindset again for these Hearts players in terms of, yes, Sunday wasn't good enough, but Wednesday's a massive opportunity to just go. If they go and score four or five and do an accomplished performance, Sunday's forgotten about because it's just that's us back to winning ways. It's back to what we should be doing. And yeah, like you said, history suggests that we don't perform well in Glasgow. So it's a, it, will, it will really put the players in spotlight in terms of, you know, Robbie said it before when he was on the podcast, to play for Hearts is great when things are going well and, and everyone knows how well that is. But Wednesday is going to be a real difficult day and a, and a game that is going to require bravery in terms of getting on the ball, dictating the game and really putting uh, Dundee to the sword. Mark, looking ahead to this game, we know Craig Halkett will, will still be missing. What would you do in terms of this team? Are you going to make sweeping changes? to the side that lost 5-0 on Sunday? Um, hmm, probably not. Probably not. I, I'm, I'm desperate for Suter to, to come back. Um, I, I don't know who would make way if he does because I don't think Moore or Civic could have any complaints. Probably be Moore out of those two. Yeah, yeah I was going to say that would be that would be my call. If, 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 if Suter was back, I would... I would put him in for Moore and I'd yeah. keep Civic in the centre. I think I've not been overly convinced by Moore a few times now, whereas Toby Civic still early on, I thought he settled oh, in oh, yeah, well, yeah, he's sure. the road. Whereas Sunday, yep, he had a torrid time, but it's maybe a, a small sample That's size at the moment for him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're you're right, Ryan. I mean, there were so many players who had a very bad day on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, Sibert keeps his, his his place. I think he'll he'll be a lot better with someone a lot better beside him. Nay Atkinson for me keeps his place. I thought he was, I thought he did fine against Hibs. It wasn't it wasn't a even game if Smith is, even if Smith is back. Well, that that was my next question. What is the update on him? I have to confess, I haven't seen one. I know the the Halkett one was four to six weeks, but the Smith one seemed unclear. I know he's had the back issues. You know, he was waiting for some kind of treatment. Um, that was a Sunday. The, the the last game was. This is a Wednesday, and that, uh, for me and, and Ryan, tell me if if you you disagree with this. If you've got a player that's been out for three four weeks, it, it can take a little bit of time to get up to speed, can't it? So I'd be surprised if it was a full week in between and he returned to training on the Monday and then you could maybe play on the Saturday, then fine. I'd be surprised, Ryan, if, if, if Smith came back and was available for selection with only a couple of days training if you put him in. I think this is a perfect game for Matty Atkinson. 
Mm. It depends. See, sometimes with injuries, they say the clubs or everyone says four weeks because that's when you should be back fit to play. So he might have been training for the last week. He was waiting for an injection, apparently, but it was very unclear from the news update that I saw what the timescale would be. But, you know, he's had his back issues, so he was waiting for some kind of injection and he was getting it in the next few days and I think that was updated um, last week. So you'd think maybe he's had it now. I haven't seen another update since or if or if it was posted somewhere, I've missed it. So I, I genuinely don't know. Yeah, so sometimes, sometimes you could be, when an injury comes, so say if I was to get injured, touch wood, I don't. My first question is like, when am I back fit? When can I play a game? So they'll be like four weeks. So in that four weeks, you maybe have 10 days, they call it off feet, where you can't do anything. You can, so when I did my knee, I did like a lot of rowing and swimming to keep up my sort of aerobic fitness, but I couldn't put any weight through it and I couldn't run. But he could be able to run in straight lines. He might just not be able to, to turn with his back. He might be able to do certain things. So from a fitness point of view, Hearts might be quite comfortable in terms of, you know, he's still putting in, good numbers with his GPS systems throughout the week, he can't just play a game just yet. So we're waiting for yeah. it all clear to get through to that game. So that three weeks might sound like a lot, but I would imagine the last two weeks he's been doing some sort of fitness training and possibly even like a lot of players sometimes join in for training, but sometimes they wear a bib so you can't tackle them or they're the floater so they're not involved in you know any of the hard sort of tackling. So there's, there's lots of ways to get players as close to fitness when they're not a hundred percent. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, but Laurie, again, you know, I, don't I, I think the optimum team for hearts and it'd be good to get your, the thoughts of you two as well. I'm, I'm going to make three changes from Ibrox. I'm putting Suter instead of Moore. I'm putting Haring instead of Devlin and I'm putting Sims instead of McInef. I'm playing a three, four, one, two with Boyce up front with Sims, Barry Mackay just in behind floating. That could easily be a 3-4-3 with Boyce one side, Mackay on the other. I'm having Cochrane or Cochrane and Atkinson. I know Robbie might go um, Andy Halliday, but that would be my three changes. Um, I'm going to give Cammy a rest uh, and maybe bring him on, and I'm going to change it at the back, Taylor Moore for Suter. What do you make of that? Um, yeah, sorry, Suter for, for Taylor Moore. Suter for Moore, Sims for McInef, and Haring for Devlin. I think I'm, I, I'm, I would be happy with that. Uh, I think I think you yep. need. I think we definitely need to change something at the back, and I think you know. Again, I don't like to highlight individuals too much, but I think if you're going to change one of them because you've only got one player to come in, it's going to be Moore to come out. Apart from anything, he's playing Sibic in the middle, and I do prefer Suter on the right of that back three. I think he's not looked as good when we've put him to the to the centre of it this season. What, what um, you can also do with Civic playing in there, Laurie, is you can push him forward a little bit. If we yeah, see a lot of the ball, which we're expecting to do, out. you could step out. Yeah, and in the middle, I think you're right. I mean, Cami maybe does need to be to be out this side. He's maybe just need a bit of a break, although I thought they were both ineffective on Sunday against Rangers. I thought Benny was the one that looked even more off the pace, but yeah, he's maybe bit, just yeah. not not quite back up to fitness. I would have preferred to have I would have preferred to have Haring in for one of them on Sunday. I thought we maybe needed someone to show a bit of composure in there at times. Um 
and I think Haring does give you that. And yeah, the wing backs is a tricky one because Atkinson certainly has a bit of attacking drive and energy, but he was just, I thought he was torn apart too easily at times at Ibrox. But hopefully that won't be the same sort of, he won't be facing the same sorts of situations this time against Dundee. I prefer Cochrane to Halliday, but if you could pick one or the other. I think Halliday's actually played okay recently. Um, and in attack, yeah, I, I would. One thing I definitely want to see is Boyce and Sims in a game like this. I think you want the two of them. And mm-hmm. actually, I think Boyce has almost looked better recently when he's had the pressure of being the focal point taken off him and he's dropped off and he's managed to create things and then maybe play off Sims a little bit. So I think that would be big for me is, is Boyce and Sims. And I, I, I play Mackay often, but Boyce and Sims somehow for me, yeah. Ryan, what about you? Any? I agree with Mark. Yep. Sims has to start, has to be on the front foot. So at least two strikers, I think, put Dundee under real pressure. I'd imagine that Dundee will flood the midfield. So probably, yeah, sort of Mackay in behind with the the, the hiring. I don't know. I think it would go down to, I know Cammy's struggling a little bit with his knee. I don't know if Benny's 100% fit. Maybe one of them miss out for for Big Pete. But um, yeah, I, I definitely think that whatever team we put out from those changes should be able to, to beat them. But I definitely want Sims to start. That's that's the one that I'll be looking for. I think if he starts, he's got a right good chance. You've been in you've been in plenty of Hearts teams off the back of good and bad results. If if you're in that if you're in that Hearts dressing room ahead of this game against Dundee, say you've been in, you've, you've come off the back of a, a bad result. Are you nervous about what the reaction is going to be like? And would a uh, would it affect maybe you and the team? Would you feel if it was you know, if it was a very negative atmosphere when you came out, or would it then affect you in a positive way if you came out and actually the Hearts fans had a positive reaction and really backed you as soon as you entered the field? Yeah, it's different. I, I don't mind that sort of um, not negativity as such, but I always just felt you're playing at a big club, so that's stock standard. You know, that's them almost reminding you that you can't put in those types yeah. of great performances. And yeah. Uh, Nothing beats when they're obviously positive, but nothing also beats when you're the one that, that makes it positive. You know, I used to love at Tynecastle. I think Alan McCoyst had a, a famous phrase has been it's like the only or it's the only stadium or countries in the in the world that, you know, celebrate a tackle or winning a throw in or chasing a lost cause. You know, those types of things that if you can start doing that in the first 15, 20 minutes just gets everyone on board. So I used to sometimes like if it was if there was that nervous energy around the place that, you know, you could be the one that goes on and sparks it and, and inspires the rest of the team. Because mm-hmm. like you said, there will be some players that will be like, oh, this this is the worst game we could have because everyone's expecting us to win. But I always just think, yeah, well, what an opportunity it is to go out and put on a good performance and just forget about forget about Sunday. And, the, and yeah. like you said, it can come from the simplest things that can that can turn a game. So... That would be my main message is that, yeah, it's going to be difficult. Dundee are going to time waste. They're going to try and kill the game as much as possible. If they can, they'll be saying get to half time nil-nil and, and we'll see what's going on. But Hearts just have to be right on the front foot and, and take the positives from Sunday as little as there was. The way we started that second half should be how we start 
every single game uh, and you know keep pushing those things that when we are on the front foot when we are playing forward when we are playing quickly that we can match up with anyone and, and that should be no different come Wednesday and Mark this this is almost a not quite to the same extent, but that's a bit of a s- switching roles here from what when Hearts were going to Ibrox. So what do we do? We're against the Rangers side who have just been hammered in their last game. Can we take advantage of that? Do we push them back? Do we try and frustrate them? This is what Dundee will be thinking about going into this game. You know, For them, it's the match that no one expects them to do anything, but they know that Hearts have come off the back of a bad result. Do they try and get the Tynecastle crowd on top of them? And this is a game where it's up to us to set the tone and basically perform the way we know we can. We've got better players than them. And if we play to the levels that we should be able to and with the intensity that really we should at Tynecastle, then there should only be one winner. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I agree with that. I think Mark's just jumped off, but there, there is no way that we should be going into this game with any nervousness. Of course, you, the fans can have that, but... I think for the players, it's just a, a really good opportunity to, to go out and, and really stamp our authority on the game and, and make sure that we come out with a victory. And and also, with the, all the other teams seeming to drop points, they'll be keeping an eye on this result. They'll be seeing if, you know, oh, they've got a bad result, they can get two in a row. It starts to give those other teams that little bit of glimmer, whereas if you can get it from 10 points, if you can start increasing it to maybe 13 or We'll get up to 15. It just kills the rest of the, which I think has already happened, but it just kills that sort of vibe of anyone trying to catch us. I'm just, I'm just laughing because, yeah, you obviously looked at your phone before I did because Mark had <laughs> said, my, my laptop shut down. I'm out with the call. Um, he's, he's waiting to get back in. I tell you what, right? So Mark Donaldson is no longer on the call just now, but he's waiting to get back in. Let's predict what he's going to predict. I'll ask him what he thinks for the Dundee, the Dundee game. What do you think he's going to predict? I'm going to guess he goes a three 0 win. Okay. Who do you think he will say is the scorer? As one as the as one of the scorers, Sims. Okay. So you think Mark will go three 0 and Sims? I think Mark will go two 0 and Barry Mackay. Okay. Let's see how close we get. I'll go, I'm going to let him back in. Here we go. Waiting, waiting. Yeah, Mark. hi. Can, can, can I have a California roll, um, two <laughs> salmon rolls, please, and a dragon uh... roll with extra eggs on the top? So, sorry, sorry. There was someone that was Uber Eats at the door. Sorry. Oh, dear. So Mark is back in. Luckily, Ryan saved it beautifully because he'd looked at your message before I had. Um, right, we're, we're going to do predictions, Mark. What do you think? Give me a score for Hearts Against Dundee and... One of the scorers. Two or three nil for Hearts. And <laughs> okay. Is that, I take it you've just said that or something. <laughs> Which know. one? Uh, two or three? Oh, okay. Uh, two. I'll let someone else have yeah. three now. And okay. uh, Boyce and Sims will score the goals. Ah, we predict. We we were predicting your prediction. I um, bet you hit what Barry Mackay. Well, we kind of. <laughs> I said you'd say 2-0 and Barry McKay and Ryan went 3-0 and Sims. So in the end... <laughs> You're both right, yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you keep the recording going when I was away? Yes, yeah. yeah this is all, this Honestly, is all going Now in. I know how Ryan feels la- about yeah. last week. You're a, you're a rascal, Dunsire. I, okay. I thought I was within power, but it wasn't. It, just, it, just, it was basically Zoom saying, fuck you, and disconnecting. 
And then my computer switched off. So uh, I hadn't even said anything, I don't think. I was just waiting for your next question. But yeah, well, anyway, I hadn't. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, okay, well, that's fine. So that was, it'll be two or three have, nil. And have, have you had your predictions yet? What were yours? Um, or do I have to wait to listen to the podcast? No, no, we've not. I'm actually going to go, you know what? I'm going to go with a big reaction. I'm going to go, I'm going to go four nil. Oh, um, and all the players you've mentioned are going to score. Sims, Boyce, <laughs> all the players I mentioned Mackay. in the entire podcast. No, the three that we talked about <laughs> scoring there. Sims, Mackay, and Boyce will all get on the score sheet. Ryan, are you? Was your prediction of Mark's prediction also your prediction? <laughs> yeah, I would. Have, I would I'm going to go three, three okay. and Sims. <laughs> okay, so we've got two, three, and a four. I'll take any. I'll take any of them. But I'll hopefully, take a one. A... Oh, I would. I take a one, but I want. I want a win in style. I think that would appease more. A kind of one nil scrappy fans are just like Jesus. We only beat them one nil, and without if we don't get a win, ooh, ooh, dear. But we will be back next week, regardless yeah. of the result, and hopefully, it's a, hopefully it's a positive one. So we'll have that game um, against Dundee, and we will have the Scottish Cup game of course, to come this weekend against Livingston. But we won't predict that because, as we've said before, a lot of that depends on what happens in the, in the Dundee game. But regardless of the Dundee game, Scottish Cup is big massive. for Hearts and for Robbie massive. Nielsen. So that is that is a huge game. It, it's also massive that either Rangers, Celtic or Hearts reach the final and win it. Because that would mean that third place in the table would get a Europa League playoff spot, knowing that even if you lose that, you're guaranteed group stage football in the Conference League. So, weirdly, you normally want Rangers and Celtic to be like drawn against each other or knocked out. Yeah, but if it, you just don't want a random um, win in the cup, like a St. Johnston, of, yeah, because. That would mean they would then be guaranteed, given where we are next season with the coefficient, they would be guaranteed group stage football, most likely in the, the conference league. But it, it's a weird one. It's a weird one. Because on, on our day, I think we're capable of beating anybody. We didn't have our day at Ibrox. But this is a this is a big one against Livy. I would love nothing better than to sit here next week talking about two hearts home wins. Um and and I'm not going to make a prediction for, for the Livy game, and neither am I going to make a prediction for which song plays us out after that one last week, which I thought was quite clever. But where the hell did you find that thing about the sushi in on all songs? <laughs> Goodness. Same way I found um, Welcome to Our Broth. <laughs> yeah. What the hell was that one all about? I don't know. You, you, YouTube's a wonderful place at times. I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll think of something. Um, to play is there, a th- is, is there a theme that, that's kind of that's that's a thread that's run through this podcast that might give us clues as to your mind for the music? Mm, Power shortage, sure. <laughs> oh, there we are. So many, okay. so many. That opens it right up. Yeah, and I'll, the title and everything like that. Oh, I'll think of something. Wait. Don't want to highlight when I when I wake up and it's been retweeted and I say, "All right, what's he called it?" And then when I listen to it, what's the song? Now that we're only allowed to play, how many seconds before we get letters saying cease and desist from Eminem's music company? I'll say that, they'll they'll, they'll hear you saying his name. Anyway, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 